The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky, Kinky Connections, and Kinky Education. We're kinky, done differently. what women and other wonderful humans want. A frank and fun discussion about the way people approach each other for romance, relationships, friendships, or other partnerships that make us happy, as well as an intimate discussion about how to connect with our own authentic self. With questions asked by a guy. And now here is your host, John, or as we call him around here, hi there, catsuit. Hello there, Nookie, and welcome to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky. I'm John, a.k.a. Hi there, Catsuit. It's great to have you along with us. And on this episode, we present a world-class dominatrix, a world-class performer, and someone who makes latex look, oh, so better than any of us could have ever imagined. Jean Bardot is a legendary fetish model, performer, and actress based in Minneapolis, Minnesota. She is also very well known as a professional dominatrix, making dreams come true in her well-appointed dungeon. And her collection of latex fashion and kinky gear is a sight to see, if you're lucky enough to have the chance. Now, Jean Bardot on What Women and other wonderful humans want. It's five questions about memorable firsts. We call it the first five. Five questions for Jean Bardot. First time you ever slipped into a latex catsuit and your emotions doing it. The first time? Do you know how long ago that was? Which kind of says something about that because latex catsuits weren't that common when you first started. Mm -mm, mm -mm. My very first piece of latex was a dress. My second piece of latex was a dress and those are very memorable. But my first catsuit, I think it was a damask. It must've been the torpedo tits that just, once I got it on, I just felt larger than life. I mean, that's first, my first memory of a catsuit. First time you ever set foot on a stage to perform a body show of some kind. Um, that felt crazy. I felt um, I kind of came outside of my body and watched myself from afar. It was weird. Yeah, I remember that stage very well. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why that you just brought that up. It just came very clear in my head. Tell me a little more about it. What was the scenario? Who are you performing for? Well, it was called um, Sexorama. It was in the First Avenue nightclub here in Minneapolis. It was a Wednesday. And um, it was kind of an audition to be a performer every week for this Sexorama event. I lied about my age. I was underage. <laughs> um yeah, and I just, I, 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 I had balls larger than life, I guess, at the time and just went for it. <laughs> it, was, it was exhilarating. It was exhilarating. It was a lot of fun. I think I was high for days afterwards and they liked, they liked me. <laughs> they liked what I did and how I looked. So it was like, fuck, okay, here we go. <laughs> And for those of our listeners who don't know, the First Avenue nightclub was made famous in a movie called Purple Rain by the one and only Prince. Mm -hmm. So I can only imagine being on stage at that beautiful venue. Yeah, and the same stage he, you know, performed at regularly. I was like, 
first time you ever picked up an implement as a dominatrix and what did you do with it? Was I spanking Miss Mia? Was I spanking little slut boy? Um, as a dominatrix. So I'm playing around a little bit. It had to have been a paddle at Mistress Amanda Wildfire's dungeon as a dominatrix, yeah. Did it feel good in your hand? It felt like an extension of my body. And does the emotion go through that paddle with you? I think I was so, I mean, I think at that point I was still very nervous. I was so nervous in front of her because she was, you know, for me, larger than life at the time. Um, and I think it was just, yeah, I don't, I just remember just being nervous, maybe more, you know, like trying to impress somebody nervous. First time you knew you were going to do what you were meant to do in your life. I know. Cause it's like, I think it was a combination. It was just like a snowball that just got bigger and bigger. And I went with it, you know, snowball meaning just rolling down that hill and, and just getting bigger and bigger and being so comfortable with everything and everybody and um, going with those feelings that felt good. And that, you know, taking that direction of just feeling so comfortable in it. And just having so much fun with it at the same time. The last of our first five. <laughs> first time you ever saw an image of you in full rubber and what you thought of it. I saw a picture of me. Um, I... It, it was putting those first damask pieces of latex on and I saw the pictures of the show I did and it's like, wow, that's, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's me. <laughs> just, yeah. Just being amazed and go, you know, wow. That, you know, just staring at it and going, that's me. <laughs> that's pretty fun. When we come back on what women and other wonderful humans want, we're going to talk a little bit about what made Jean Bardot mistress jean as well as take a look at why that latex is so lovely when we return have you ever wanted to try something a little kinky in the bedroom but had no idea where to start or maybe your partner just told you they're into water sports no not the jet ski kind and you really want to fulfill their fantasy but you're nervous that's totally normal i'm kate sloan I'm a sex journalist who's talked about kink in magazines like Cosmo, Playboy, and Glamour, and on my podcast, The Dildorks. My new book, 101 Kinky Things Even You Can Do, is a guide to some of the hottest and best-known kinks out there, from age play to zapping and everything in between. Each section offers three suggestions for ways you can try out your new interest with a partner or even by yourself. Curious? Order your copy now at 101kinkythings.com and start learning new things about your sexuality. This is Alicia Zadig, author of the new book, Yes, Mistress. I'm also Mistress Alicia, a leading dominatrix and BDSM expert. My book, Yes, Mistress, takes you on a provocative, eye-opening journey into the erotic worlds of kink, fetish, and female domination. Join me for a fascinating conversation. Male submission is more common than you think and more rewarding than you can ever imagine. Yes, Mistress is available now on Kindle, and you can pre-order your copy at yesmistress.com. Hi, this is Jane Boone, the author of the novel Edge Play. It's a revenge fantasy where the big short meets 50 shades of gray. Only the women wield the whips and the billionaires submit. You can find it at Amazon in paperback or for your Kindle. And be sure to check out my episode with Tara Indiana right here on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Thank you. We invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter 
What Women Want podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at WWW Podcast. And now back to this episode of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Welcome back to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky, joined by the amazing Jean Bardot, joining us from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Do cat suits help you stay warm in the winter up there? Oh my God. Cats, wearing rubber cat suits in the winter is the worst. <laughs> <laughs> you're going outside wearing a cat suit in January in Minnesota, you're not going to love love it at all. No way. You have to have that fur coat around it. (laughs) So you got into the fetish world back in the 1990s when you were a student in an art and design school. Was it that creativity that drew you to the art? Uh, I ended up in art school wanting to design what I didn't know what had a name. It was fetish clothing. It was the corset. It was having that. 1950s hourglass curve. I wanted to make, I was making my own clothes already and I just wanted to create and dive into it. You know, Terry Mugler was stuff I would see in Vogue and I just went, you know, I wanted to make that kind of clothing. And I didn't know it had a name at the time. Went to art school and then that's where I met kinky people. Mm -hmm. And, um, Yeah, it just went crazy from there. You said you saw images in Vogue. When did you realize when somebody showed you images in other magazines that this was something special? Oh, the first time I laid, you know, the first time I laid eyes on on it was like, it just all fit together. Like the connections in my head were, you know, everything was just making more sense. So where did those connections start? Did they start as a teenager? Was there some seminal moment that made Jean Bardot, Jean Bardot? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I always knew I was different. You know, I grew up in rural Minnesota on a farm, (laughs) good old country girl. And I was different. I, you know, I didn't fit in with a lot of my classmates and I went to a massively huge high school. And um, when you go to a huge school, you, you know, if you aren't at that time, if you weren't a cheerleader or a sports fanatic and you kind of got overlooked, I, you know, was a straight A student and I skipped a lot of school and <laughs> how that all happened. I don't know, kind of got, you felt a little lost and a lot of uh, neglected or not, you know, not paid attention to. And so you just sink into my art into my paintings and my drawings and, into you know, that kinky fashion stuff and not, growing up Catholic, not being able to talk about your sexual fantasies or, or coming into your own sex and not being able to talk about it, think about it, you don't do it. <laughs> so being so confused and then coming into the big city and art school where everything is just out there was just refreshing and connecting the dots and the visuals and the feelings. And it was pretty crazy. How did boys look at you in high school? They think that you were pretty. And the reason I'm asking this is if they knew then what they know now. You see where I'm going with this? Yes. yes. And it's really weird. It's really weird. Um, You know, my best friends in high school were gay men, were gay boys. And that's who I spent most of my time with. And it's funny you say, you know, if they knew now you know, social media connects crazy, you know, craziness. And every once in a while, I'll get a note from someone I went to high school with. I'll remember them or not remember them. And they always happen to be male. And they're like, you've made it. You've done all these crazy things. I'm like, how do you know my name versus my stage name versus, you know, how do you can, I mean, the faces I'm out there. So it's, I mean, it's easy to find, I guess, but every once in a while, there'll be someone from my high school past going, wow, you've done some pretty crazy, incredible things. It's great to see you out there and, 
you know, you've made it, you've done this, you travel, you get, you know, you have so much fun. And you're like, I don't even remember you. (laughs) I don't know. In many cases on our show, there is the character and then there is the person. How much of Jean Bardot is really you and how much of the real you goes into Jean Bardot? I mean, I understand the character thing and all the movies I've done, I've had scripts and things, but I'd always change them to how I felt or thought. I, it's just, it's all one. It's all just one. I don't, you know, I mean, I'm higher energy at sometimes, I'm lower energy at sometimes, I'm just kind of all the same person. My sisters, my family know what I do, and they're just like, yep, it just, your job suits you, you suit your job. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm, yeah. Is there a certain safety being wrapped up in latex? I call my cat suits my armor because mm-hmm. they protect me from the world outside. And they hold me in to the world I want to be in. Interesting. No, I've never thought of it as a safety. It just feels good. It feels comforting. It feels sexy. And I've never thought of it as a suit of armor or anything. No. Uh-uh. You know, when I put some people in it, you know, I think that's a space I take people. But for me, I know it's me. I've always called it one of the most beautiful mindfulness exercises anyone can ever have because something is touching you in every single part of your body. And if you think of a body part, it's being touched. And then you try to think of another one and you can't ever get away. And it just spins. Mm, That's beautiful. (laughs) Wow. Do you ever feel like that when you wear it? Or do you ever understand that notion when you put somebody else in it? Yeah, I understand that notion when I put someone else. Yeah. Because mostly when I'm putting people in latex, it's for bondage purposes or for transformation, dehumanizing of sorts, taking them out of their space, you know, everyday space and putting them into something more fantasy like that they aren't able to do all the time. When you take them there and they're released afterwards. Is there a transformation, not necessarily in their body, but in the way they look at themselves? Uh, yes, I, yeah, there is. And for everyone, it's so different and yet sim- similar. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you give me a story about someone who came to see you and thought themselves in one dimension and after sessioning with you one or a number of times realized that they are a totally different person than they expected they were? Than they expected. I don't know if it's that they expected, but I've had clients for so long, like some of the same clients for so long, my rubber clients I've just had forever So they come here wanting that escape into that journey of that other persona, of that other being, of that other creature, of that other being objectified or losing their vanilla selves. They come here wanting and craving that. I don't know. I haven't sessioned with anyone that has gotten something different than what they were searching for maybe or maybe not knowing knowing what their journey might be like describe the craving for someone who doesn't understand it that craving of escapism you know living every normal vanilla life is stressful and hard most people some people have a lot of stuff they have to control and facilitate, a lot of stress. And they can't explore the other half of them as it will, they will feel outed or they will feel exposed or 
they will feel like they can't have that control over people if they show a different side of themselves. So I get to take them on that journey. They trust me. <laughs> they give themselves to me and I can, you know, do crazy things with them as they trust me taking them on that journey to relieving that stress, to having them be comfortable with who they really are. You talk so much about the journey and I love that word because good scenes are a wonderful story. Good relationships are a wonderful story. And so many people on the outside world that don't understand our world think that kink is so much about sex. Mm. When in reality, that may be the ending for some of the stories, but for most of them, the story is all about the time it takes to get to whatever ending they need, whether it is catharsis in their mind. Mm-hmm. whether it is that feeling of subspace of getting lost in a different world. For some people, it is that sexual release. What is it about the journey that is so much fun for you to be able to take people on? And what's your favorite part of it? <laughs> um, what is it about that journey? Well, when they choose me to have that control, to dress them up, to when they choose me to, to take them on that journey, it's, it's a huge privilege and I take it very seriously. Some people need it for that headspace to keep themselves sane during their vanilla world. They, you know, it's not a sexual release, it's an emotional release. I've had sessions where people just start crying or sessions where people just fall asleep or they, um, you know, they can just breathe. They can say anything. They can just be so comfortable and they trust me with that. I'm bouncing all over the place here. I'm a rubber ball. I bounce around here. (laughs) That's Um, appropriate. Yeah. (laughs) So what is it about that journey? Um, I just find it, it's just super powerful. You know, before when I first started, it was like, you know, I get to dress people up and it's really sexy and we can slither around and, you know, but now I just see it more of such a cathartic headspace that subspace and in a therapy of sorts. Some of the most amazing scenes I've had actually, and we, I had them on the show. Andy is their name. And uh, they presented a scene that was cathartic to me and never one part of it was anything involving bondage or pain. It was just the conversation And at the end of the scene, they looked at me and they said, when you look into my eyes, what do you see? And I said, beauty. And when they said, it's only a reflection, it was one of the most amazing moments of my life. Powerful. Because I didn't see myself like that. And I share that story with you because I've been involved in so many different kinds of scenes in my very short tenured journey into kink. Nothing like yours. Mine's been like over the past six or seven years, because when you're married and you're in television and she doesn't understand kink and your face has an ESPN mic flag in front of it and you can't go there. Yeah right? That I know I enjoy the quiet scenes, but I also enjoy the scenes that are full of laughter. And having been a watcher of the Gene Bardo show, I remember how much laughter you love. So tell me, what is it that makes Gene Bardo laugh? Oh my God, everything. (laughs) 
I don't know. I, I just find humor in a lot of things. I don't know what, what makes me laugh. Everything. Um, Your co-stars were really funny. That's one thing I know. Sybil and Tilda, they are hilarious. Uh, you know, it's, and, you know, Lucas who shoots it, it's like the four of us. We just, we have a lot of fun together. We know each other really well. We know each other's families really well. We just have a lot of fun together. We just, we take it seriously enough, but we just, we don't do anything if it's not going to be fun. <laughs> this show started to be about how people make connections with each other. What is the best way to make a connection with Jean Bardot? <laughs> the best way to make a connection? Uh, just come up and introduce yourself to me. I don't know. But that's kind of my point is we talked before yeah. the show and I said that the Dame who put me through my very first public scene saw you perform <laughs> and said she was the most amazing woman performing and she was beautiful and all that rubber and she's the nicest person I've ever met. <laughs> And when you think dominatrix and nicest person I've ever met, sometimes those two things don't meet. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I was wanting to bring that out is just simply talking to you is not something that's intimidating, which you would think somebody on the pedestal of Jean Bardot, world-class and legendary fetish model performer and actress you were pretty much on, if there was a Mount Rushmore of fetish, you'd be on it. <laughs> and I don't think that's speaking out of turn. <laughs> but you're approachable. Is that the farm girl in you? I Probably. It's that Midwest. Yeah, that Midwest. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I used to, I mean, it's, I used to do a bondage a go-go here in Minneapolis for many, many years. Um, and, you know, it was just, uh, that was even way before I started, you know, doing Rubberella and stuff. Um, early, early 90s. Um, and it was a lot of fun. And a lot of the leather community here in Minneapolis would give me shit because I laughed a lot. And, and made fun of, um, made fun of BDSM publicly and, you know, publicly did scenes at the bar, you know, it was at a bar and it was, you know, a bondage go-go. It was very much after what Midori was doing in San Francisco at the time. You know, I asked permission to have a bondage go-go in Minneapolis and she graciously said, yeah, please, let's have some fun. Minneapolis didn't like the Minneapolis community didn't like it, but <laughs> yeah, I did it for 17, 18 years. Wow. Um, I mean that, and I laughed a lot. I laughed at people. I laughed with people. I <laughs> had a lot of fun at it, but yeah, they gave me a lot of crap for having fun and making it public. And they used to tease me being the laughing dominatrix, but I kind of didn't care. <laughs> And in the early 2000s, you developed this character, Rubberella, mm -hmm. which when I first saw that character, oh my gosh, um, <laughs> the sheer beauty and badassery would be a good word, and almost inhuman look that you had in that character when you were inside all of that what was your head thinking did you become this person or did the character create this person well column a and column b it was it was stemmed off of a little a, a lot of barbarella um and the fact that, um, I, you know, I like to be captured a little bit and then escape and, and do that whole super heroine, superhero thing of 
getting the bad guys back, you know, and yeah, it's kind of a little both. <laughs> I could never picture a submissive Jean Bardot. <laughs> Is there a little bit of a submissive Jean Bardot? She's doing the little, uh, just about this little bit. <laughs> you got a whole bag of in there. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Um, a lot of my training as a dominatrix was, you know, playing the submissive in the bottom. Taught me a ton. Do you have to have the knowledge of being a submissive to be a good top? Personally, that's my opinion. Yeah. I think so. Not everyone has that same opinion, but I, yeah, I'm kind of a firm believer about that. Yeah. The people who gloss over that and just become uber dom and powerful and haven't quite earned it yet. What do you say to them? Uh, I, I can't judge that. Everyone has their own journey. Um, I just feel that once you experience certain scenarios, situations, things, you're better at taking someone else on that journey. It's an appreciation for what it is. I believe that, yeah. Was there something in those days of experiencing and learning that became the hallmark of Mistress Jean? Was there something that was an experience where you went, now I get it? There are many experiences, yeah, where, it, where that bell went on and goes, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. ring some bells for me, Jean Bardo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, many a times being in in head to toe latex and you can't see and you can barely breathe through a tube and trusting someone. You know, floating in a pool of water, just one little tiny tube. One little tiny thing goes wrong. There's a lot of <laughs> a lot of things like, you know, a lot of things could happen really quickly. And a lot of trust that it could happen um, in a positive way. And, um, but yet at the same time, losing those concerns and floating and feeling safe and feeling loved and still, yeah, <laughs> a lot of bells, a lot of bells. <laughs> 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 is Mr. Sheen upset with Catsuit for bringing up these things? <laughs> no, just, no, I'm not upset. No, 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 no. I, I jest. I absolutely jest. You're obviously going to create a few dreams in my head just by what you just said there. When you are putting yourself Mm -hmm. in the hands of another mm -hmm. how are you able to give over that trust how can people know, people know that they are safe or is that part of the fantasy and illusion for some people it's a fantasy and that illusion for myself it's you know i've evolved now where I really take my relationship seriously. You know, I really take the time to know people. And it's not just about knowing a bunch of people. It's about having those few that you really know really well. And um, so it's evolved where, you know, not as many friendships, but those friendships are, are quite deep and, and intense. And just, you know, knowing, you know, just the friends I have, it's just, they're amazing. They're awesome and amazing. Years ago, it would be like just doing it for the adventure, you know, doing it for the fun of it and experimenting and going crazy. So it's evolved differently that way. Um, yeah. 
How much is touch a part of your life? How much of touch? Physical touch? Mm-hmm. How much? Ooh, it's a huge part, yeah. Would that be your love language? Feeling and touching, yeah. Mm -hmm. I say this because sensation play is such a huge part of the rubber world. It is. How it feels, the temperature of it, how slippery it is, how it makes you sweat, how it makes you, how it moves with you when you're moving. Um, smell, even the smell of it. People mm. love the smell of it. Has it ever gotten to a point where you're used to it all? Or is it still new each time you do it? It's been to a point where I needed to just to slow down and back off a little bit. Where it just got to get too much for a while. Yeah. Have to take it, you know, and not check out necessarily, just... Find that ebb and flow of that balance. How do you find your balance? Especially when you're surrounded by men who crave and women perhaps too. Oh yeah. I, yeah. There's, um, yeah, I don't discriminate. <laughs> there's uh, rubber sluts everywhere. Um, I have to follow, I have to follow my head and my heart, you know, I have to take time. I, I do my Sunday checkout. I, Sunday's my vanilla day <laughs> with my family, my, you know, my nieces and nephew and family. And we just, we, you know, that's that farm girl. I go back to the farm every Sunday and hang out with the family and don't talk about kink and, you know, things and just check out of that, of that world. And, um, you just, I have to find that balance where I have other interests and so it'll keep it all fresh. It'll keep it energetic. And, um, because it's, you know, my gig where it's my income, I, I have to keep that alive and free flowing. Cause if I'm having a session with someone, they know if I'm not really there, they're going to know. And that's not fair for me to not totally be there and ready and into it. So what is one of the things that makes Jean Bardot happy or makes you happy away from it all? Do you have a passion that would be interesting to know about? Got my little fur babies. <laughs> um, my family are crazy and keep me grounded and, um, you know, the summertime I'm out getting my hands, you know, farm girl gets my hands dirty, plant things, grow things. Um, that's about, yeah, that's kind of, <laughs> kind of it. More with Jean Bardot when we return. Hi, I'm Venus. I've been sharing my love for this beautiful relationship dynamic for, well, years now. And I am beyond thrilled to announce that finally there's a matchmaking service for single women and single men who want a loving, cuckolding relationship. It's called Venus Connections. It's a personalized matchmaking service and three-week educational program that's safe, private, and individualized for what you want. Women, you no longer need to endure the headache of filtering through blank profiles and dealing with online creeps. And men, you can stop wasting time on those fake profiles and women with all sorts of ulterior motives. Venus Connections works for you to find what you want. You can learn more at venusconnections.com. That's venusconnections.com. You deserve the relationship of your dreams. 
Hello, I'm Jesse Sage from Peep Show Media. Peep Show Media is a multimedia magazine bringing news and stories from the sex industry. Be sure to check out our website at peepshowmedia.com for essays, porn reviews, events, interviews, news stories, and more. Also, make sure to listen to our podcast, The Peep Show Podcast, anywhere you get podcasts. And for a bit more of a personal glance into my life, make sure to check out my January 15th interview on what women and other wonderful humans want. Hi. This is Rachel Leadham, aka The Conscious Masochist. I'm an author and sadomasochism integration mentor who encourages the mindful exploration of your dark side. I offer astrological birth chart readings to interpret your sadomasochistic blueprint through the clues found within your chart. You can learn more about my work, including the ebook Conscious Masochism, at my website, www.rachelleadham.com. And join us on Instagram at The Conscious Masochist. Be sure to check out my episode in the archives of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. This is Tanya Tate. And have you listened to my podcast? Tanya Tate presents MILFs Making Money. I share a whole lot of positivity, tips and tools on how myself and other women in the adult industry make money on premium social media platforms. If you want to hear me interview many different guests, then get yourself over there, milfsmakingmoney.com. And you can also search my name, Milfs Making Money, on all of your usual podcast platforms. And if you enjoyed listening to What Women Want podcast, make sure you get yourself over and subscribe to my podcast, milfsmakingmoney.com. Are you liking what you're hearing? Check out the Total Archives wherever you find your podcasts. And please remember to subscribe so you don't miss a minute. And while you're there, help John out by giving him a rating and a review. We really appreciate your feedback. Now let's get back to what women and other wonderful humans want. Welcome back to the show, joined by Jean Bardot, who is sometimes beyond description. And when I look at your website, the very first picture I see is part beauty, part intimidation, very large boobs, because I think they're blown up. What is it like being in this larger-than-life outfit in front of the world? And what's it like being inside it? And how does that feel? Physically, being inside of it, I mean, I, I, I love the tightness and the sweatiness of it. And the uh, I get dressed with lube versus a powder, so it's just slipperier. And, um, you know, I don't mind sweat. I don't mind drool. Those things don't annoy me. So it, 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 you know, that encasement I've always liked. Um, the, the power of the statue of the, you know, super engorged breasts and then making my waist really tiny. And um, I've always, since I was young, just always loved and admired that feminine curve and to exaggerate it is a little... I, I you know, power trip, a power trip. It's, you know, a little larger than life. <laughs> is it the real you in there or is it very much in that particular outfit? Is that a character? Um, It's, it's very, it's, it's, I feel it's me. It's also, yeah, it's also a character, but I feel it's, you know, it's me. It feels good. You know, if I want to dress a little more butch, I'm feeling a little more butch, a little more, you know, just that different shape of a body. The reason I ask is we talked a little bit earlier about how approachable you are. (laughs) I see that and I'm like, (laughs) I just want to bow. Um, I am approachable because I was wearing that outfit, you know, the blown up breasts and the tiny corset. I was wandering around in Amsterdam um, and a photographer was following me and we were doing some 
just shoot, just walking around the city and doing some shoots. And <laughs> within no time, there was this massive crowd. I mean, massive crowd wanting to have pictures with me and chat with me and touch me. And, um, you know, for the most part, people were respectful, but um, it wasn't something I expected. It wasn't, you know, announced or any, you know, any, nobody knew. I don't think people knew who I was or it wasn't, you know, it was just, I attracted a lot of attention and um, the, it was fun. It was fun meeting people and they were wowed and zowed and it was, it was fun. Part of the reason I asked that question is I went to a King conference a couple years ago and uh, my friend uh, Ivy loves telling me this story and reminding me of this story that I am <laughs> walking out in my spandex cat suit. I, didn't, don't know if I had my top hat on. I don't know if Toppy Catsuit was making an appearance or not, but I was walking down the hall. She was walking right next to me and I go by a doorway and it's one of those things like you see out of the movie where I stop and start taking steps backwards. And I look into this doorway and here is a woman in a latex catsuit. I had never seen one in person. And Ivy says to me, do I need to pick you up now? <laughs> she saw my face and it was, and I'm not known for being speechless a lot, but I just looked and uh, Pear Blossom is the, uh, the young lady's vet name. And she goes, do you want to touch? And I'm like, yes, please. <laughs> and I tell that story because that's why I said, all I could think of is bowing <laughs> when you're wearing an outfit like that. But it does also present this beautiful fantasy that is approachable that is larger than life but still you allow people to experience that mm -hmm. has anybody ever come up to you and said this is my absolute dream and oh my god i never thought i'd get to see somebody like this mm -hmm. in person yeah it's happened a lot yeah i've done so many conventions and um they used to have the sex positive shows that would travel the country or even when I was traveling in Europe. Yeah. People would, I, yeah, I'd be the only one in latex at some of these shows. And <laughs> yeah, I got some comments like that quite often. It was fun. So we talk about all the people who love seeing you in latex. Do you have any models or other doms that you love to see in latex that you oh. go, wow, <laughs> they got it. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even if it's just a pair, a, a latex skirt or something, mm -hmm. you know, someone putting it on and venturing out and, and for some people that's being really brave. And I, I admire that, you know, I just, it's fun watching people when they get dressed and how they feel and, you know, whether they do it every day or if it's just for their first time or if it's just going out to a show, like if I'm at a rubber ball and someone's, you know, this is the first time I've dressed up and gone out in public. It's just, wow. You know, that amazes me. That's beautiful. It's beautiful to watch. The rubber ball would be something that I feel like I would go in and my eyes would just not know where to look. I have the hope of going to Montreal Fetish Weekend next year because I think that's pretty close to it. Mm -hmm. What is the energy like in those rooms? Oh, it's electric. It's just, you know, people are feeding off of each other and they're seeing things that turn them on. They're seeing things that they've never seen before. They're feeling, you know, 
full of energy because they're out and about and can wear something that they normally don't wear. Nobody's going to be so judgmental on them or you know, it's just, yeah. It, like that snowball rolling down the hill, getting bigger and bigger. Mm -hmm. It's just a whole room of people, just positive energy and excitement and, and love and kink. <laughs> I'm going to get a bit personal here because oh, no. <laughs> we know if I haven't already, <laughs> we know what you can do to turn people on, whether that be sensually or within their head. Mm -hmm. What turns Jean Bardot on? Um, it's a lot of, it's a lot of this, the similar things <sighs> getting into my headspace though, is, is, is that's it getting into my headspace. It's not easy <laughs> getting into my headspace though. And having that intimacy, having that, a connection. It's not my, my turn-ons aren't so tactile anymore. They're more, you know, headspace, headspacey, if that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense because when Christina Carter was on this show, I said, I watch your videos a little bit differently than I think most people do. And she goes, how's that? I said, you have a very beautiful body. I love the outfits you wear. Mm -hmm. I love the predicaments you're put in. Mm -hmm. But what really turns me on is imagining the headspace you're in. Mm -hmm. That is what gets me. I, it's not the sight of you. It's the thought of being you. So what are the little things in Jean Bardot's headspace that just make you feel oh so perfect? Yeah, well, I, yeah, <laughs> <you> brat. <laughs> I've, I haven't been called a brat. I've been called loud, but not necessarily a brat. I struggle a lot, but <laughs> the little things inside my head, I um, you know, just. That's a hard, that's a really hard question. Um, just finding that spot, finding that safe spot, finding that warmth and that safety and that, and that love and that laughter. For me, it's when I feel that whatever comes next is the next logical thing. Whatever comes next is the thing that's meant to be. And when I can let go and realize that I don't have to worry about that happening, mm. that's when I go. Yeah. Being able to let go is a pretty powerful thing. That's true. That's safety. Yeah. If I were to walk into your space in Minneapolis, uh -huh. after picking myself up off the floor, which I <laughs> no doubt would do. <laughs> when somebody walks into your space, what do they see? Describe an experience at Jean Bardot's dungeon. When they're coming in for the first time, people, mm -hmm. um, they kind of take a breath. <laughs> I, for the first time, they really do. Because, um, you know, I haven't had a lot of brand new clients up until after COVID, um, but yeah, they just, is like, they walk in and they just stop and their eyes just go, I mean, there's so much stuff. I mean, there's so much stuff here. You can kind of see, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of things to look at and it's not well lit. It's very, it's dark. Um, it's, you know, my lights are all blues and purples and very cool. So, you know. It, it takes a bit of energy to look <laughs> it's not right out there and yeah you can't get it all in one in one vision so watching people it's it's brilliant <laughs> it's brilliant it puts them in a space as they immediately go through the curtains so 
I know this will change from time to time, but do you have a favorite room in your dungeon? So I have a downstairs and upstairs. I have to say the downstairs rooms are where I am most. And those are? I, you know, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what, they're just kind of my main s and bondage-y. Most of my gear is all downstairs. Do you have a certain piece of equipment that you love to put people on the most that gives you joy and hiddiness? From the 80s. It's mechanical, so I can look her and I can tilt forward and backwards. There's mirrors around so they can see themselves in different predicaments. And for those of you who are listening, because this is an audio podcast, it's it looks a little bit like a Swedish designed plastic chair that is a queen's chair that you know good and well that every strap that goes around it, you're in trouble. Yes. Good description? Very good description. Yes. Yeah. What is your favorite part of a session? Is it the meeting the person? Is it the journey or is it the reaction afterwards? It's the exhaustion afterwards for sure. Yeah. I mean, I love the whole process of everything, you know, from the nervousness of them walking through the door and checking in physically how we're all doing. And then, you know, just starting and going and I don't script anything. I don't plan anything. I just go by how our, how we're feeling and what I feel like doing next or what room we were going to go next or what I'm going to put on you now, or how many layers are we going to get into? And then the exhaustion at the end. I have been seeing some profiles of people my age and I'm 58 who are women and men still enjoying their best life when it comes to wearing what they like to wear. Is there an age limit to feeling sexy and desired when it comes to kink? No, no way. No. Mm -mm. I, I, I have friends who are, in their 80s, still wearing latex and looking beautiful in it and still loving it and still being adventurous in it. No, it's no, there's no age limit. It's a beautiful thing. It is. Why stop? <laughs> <laughs> if I love asking this because one of the last questions. What is the number one thing you have checked off your bucket list? And what is the number one thing you still want to do? <laughs> um, my bucket list, uh, you know, adventuring over in Europe, just the traveling aspect. Um, thinking, you know, people are so different and wanting to go see that and feel that and talk to people about that and finding out we're all the same. <laughs> we're all the same. It doesn't matter where we live. Um, that was a, that was a pretty big bucket list is, is doing the travels that I've been able to do. Well, there's still places I want to go see. Travel's a big thing for me, adventuring and seeing things different, how they do things differently. Keep doing what I'm doing and having fun at it. Well, then I will end with something that I don't believe is boring at all, but it's really going to make you think. If Jean Bardot was receiving the Lifetime Achievement Award at the Kink Academy Awards, what would you want to be remembered for the most? My kindness. My laugh. I hope. Yeah. <laughs> Simply beautiful, just as you are. Thank you so much for spending the time with me. I hope you've enjoyed this journey half as much as I've enjoyed taking you on it. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. It was fun. Insightful and fun. Darn it. <laughs>
Jean Bardot has always been one of the people on my bucket list to have on this show, and I am so honored that she joined us today. Next week, another person who's pretty high up on that list, pretty much because I've followed her ever since I lived in Seattle long ago. It's Seattle-based dominatrix, Savannah Sly, who is also known just as much for her music and her activism for sex workers. It's a great conversation, and we want you to join us for that one next week. Until then, I'm John, also known as Hi There, Catsuit. I hope I've earned the privilege of your time, and I remind you to always remember consent and to love each other always. What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want connects with you. We invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at WWW Podcast. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky. <laughs>